0: January twenty sixth, twenty twenty one, and this is the Talk Film Society podcast. I'm your host Marcelo Pico, editor in chief of Talk Film Society, uh, here to introduce yet another episode, uh, episode eighty uh, of the Talk Film Society podcast, and another episode in our series covering the films of twenty twenty. Uh, yes, we're um, we're almost to the end of January twenty twenty one. But this series on The Films of 2020 is uh, continuing on. Uh, I have a few more segments and episodes left in this series uh, before I start something else. Um, So keep that in mind. Uh, We're we're nearing the end of this series. It's been great so far. Not a bad interview or bad movie in the bunch. Go back. Um, I actually forget off the top of my head. I don't know how many of these I've done. (laughs) <laughs> I started, I think, back in November, um, and now we're at the tail end of January, and this will go through at least the at least mid-February, is what I'm thinking. So at least two or three more episodes of this series. Um, but go back and listen to what we've done so far, um, we, uh, these great interviews with great guests and great movies. Discuss. Um, this episode's no different. Uh, on this episode you'll hear in the first segment you'll hear me and Doug Tilly discuss Swallow and in the next segment you'll hear uh, I'm your woman uh, discussed uh, with uh, my guest Walter uh, Vinici um, but yes uh, those are the two movies of those two guests two segments uh, what's the catchphrase uh, two guests two two great guests two great movies one great episode I think I've said that before um but yes that's that's the episode this week uh swallow first segment i'm your woman second segment uh doug and water uh, respectively on those segments and before i toss it to myself uh talking great movies with great guests uh let me talk to you about the patreon patreon.com slash society uh, support us there if you enjoy this series this podcast, if you enjoy any other podcast series we have on the network um, Dream a Little Deeper uh, what else is on there? Uh, Monsters Never Die, uh, Queer It Now It Pod to Be You Marking the Marks um, so many others, sequels uh, and any, any, any other future project that, uh, that may be coming down the pipeline um, currently working on something now which should be exciting to, like, two people. Uh, but yes, if you like us enough to support us, uh, you can support us that way by being a patron on Patreon. Patreon.com slash TalkFilmSociety. Follow us on Twitter at TalkFilmSoC. All that for... Uh, we have top ten lists um, coming out. Uh, mine should be up shortly. Uh, Callie Smith's should be up uh, as of this recording this week. Um, but yeah. Check out TalkFilmSociety.com for writing, for podcasting, for all that good stuff. Uh, But that's it. That's all I wanted to say at the top of the episode Um, before we toss it to Doug and me and Walter and me. uh, I should say I recorded this. uh, These two segments I recorded on January 19th uh, of of this past month. And um, uh, that's why I mentioned in at least one segment, I hope things go well in the next week. So far, they've gone well relatively just wanted to mention that that so far so good i'm doing good hope you all are doing good uh hope you're going to be doing a lot better now after you listen to these two segments so here you go here is me and watcher discussing i'm your woman but first here's doug and i discussing the movie swallow enjoy see the great thing about this show is uh i i spend three minutes um, uh, basically revving up all the important details like who you are <laughs> what the movie is and what this show is who am I you know and now we can just like dive into it and just like cut, cut to the chase um, hey you
1: know what I like it Get the, let's cut out the wheat let's go right for the chav
0: Exactly. Yeah, that's what I like. <laughs> After having done this for seven years, I'm like, yeah, uh, I, I'm going to do as little work as possible.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough.
0: <laughs> uh, we're just saying a lot. Um, uh, but for this segment, Doug, um, uh, and just to sort of also just re- uh, say it again for anybody who missed it, maybe in the intro or if they this is their first time listening to an episode of this series, uh, I gave my guests a a prompt was like, hey, uh, what film of 2020 would you like to discuss on this podcast? And Doug, what is the film that you ended up picking?
1: The film I chose from the year 2020 is uh, Carlo Mirabella Davis's film, Swallow.
0: Swallow, yes. Um, I'm excited to talk about this because I mentioned this uh, over DM with you. I had seen this um, back in 2019 which seems like a decade ago um <laughs> at the at fantastic fest here in austin and it was one of those that yeah like any indie film released at a film festival where there'd be like sundance tribeca there's always like you know some people are, are privileged enough to see it early but then it gets like a you know uh, a, a wide release you know later on for everybody to see and Technically, yeah. Let's call this a twenty twenty movie. Uh, the, the 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 general public got to see this in twenty twenty, um, but swallow. Okay, it it, it it's <laughs> been, it has been on my mind since seeing that in twenty nineteen, and I had a chance to rewatch it today for this podcast, and I'm glad I did because it has been a long time, but uh, revisiting it now, it um, I'll just say it's is it's as upsetting as it was when I first saw. it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Doug, why don't you give the people listening who don't know, who may not know what Swallow is, a, a breakdown of what the general plot is.
1: Sure. And in fact, I guess let's let's start with the, the hook of the movie, yeah. which is a, about a, a woman who feels a compulsion to swallow small items. And uh, it's funny when I first heard about this movie, that's all it was that's all I heard about is, is she, she swallows small items and then things happen. Uh, and so I, I went into it with kind of muted expectations. And uh, I guess this is based on a real condition, I guess you would call it, uh, a mental compulsion that, that people actually have uh, in the movie. She, swall- she swallows things like marbles, uh, pins, you know, th- upsetting things to watch, as you uh, suggested. But the the core of the movie, is uh, much more emotional than that because it's about control and it's about the lack of control in someone's life. Uh, The movie itself is about Hunter, a young woman who has been married into this very wealthy family. She comes from, you know, more modest background and uh, she has Basically, become a kept woman because she just stays home all day while her husband goes off to this high paying job and she's expected to be perfect. And this expectation of perfection and lack of control in her life is one of the things that leads to this compulsion. Now, all of this sounds kind of like more of a drama than it does, something a little bit more intense, but as I think we would both agree, this is a very intense movie and that intensity. And that uncomfortability, if that's a word, really ramps up in that final half hour, which I think, like, I think the first hour of this movie is absolutely wonderful, but that final half hour is some of the most memorable and incredible filmmaking that I saw in the entirety of the year 2020.
0: Yeah, um, it's it's presented very much like a horror movie um, at times. Mm-hmm. Um in the beginning, yeah, that uncomfortableness you mentioned, um, the way it, the <laughs> way it's shot, the cinematography, the way it lingers on um, the face of uh, uh, H- uh, Haley Bennett playing Hunter, mm-hmm. uh, the lead character, um, yeah, and the music too. Like the, this is one thing I noticed watching it again today is the music also swells and is 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 foreboding. During these moments, when yes, she starts off small, like she picks up a marble, swallows it. That progresses from there. Um, But yeah, it it, in that first section of the movie, it 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 does. (laughs) It it really it's it's made to unsettle you, and it succeeds in that uh, uh, on on that mark to unsettle you. (laughs) And then yeah, and then like to, to to your point, it's not only that; it's not only like you see a woman. Swallow these uh, strange objects, but yeah, as, as as soon as you know more about her and what she's going through, yeah, that that payoff in the end is is, is pretty incredible.
1: I mean, one of the things that that a bit of a concern and a, and a criticism of this movie is that it kind of simplifies a real condition yeah. down to uh, kind of kind of straightforward symbolism, and I I do agree with some of that to a point, uh, but to me it's like it 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 is about a wider Issue than just a single person who feels out of control in their own life, which, by the way, is already a pretty relatable thing. It's in some ways, it's it's about class. It's about the 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 wealth that keeps all of us in some level of of uh, takes away our lack of of control and our um, a lack of ability to to uh, guide our own fortunes. And that you know that's something that's really on display here because the wealthy family. I mean. I think they're played, certainly in the first half hour, as being very realistic and very believable in the way that they just say these off-handed things that are incredibly insulting. But to them, they're just used to, because of of the wealth that they have, having that control over others. And this is this character that is in some way, I mean, maybe naive isn't the right word, but she comes at it with a very... Uh, a very innocent attitude, which is like I am going to be perfect because this is my big opportunity. Uh, it, one of the lines from um, uh, from from the the her husband's mother, her mother-in-law, is something about it's, whether she's happy or whether she's pretending to be happy. And I think that there's there's something really at the core of this movie that that's what it's about. But. And again, we're not, I, I don't think it's fair to go into spoilers in talking yeah, about yeah. this simply because when they come in the movie, they hit you so hard. And like I said, th- that final half hour, the intensity ramps up pretty high. But I will say that there is a choice made in this movie where this character goes to a birthday party. And I remember watching it for the first time and I had my hand over my mouth going, oh no, I just couldn't believe that this movie was going to make that decision make that choice with the risk of it taking the whole thing down with the risk of it destroying this movie that had already been built up. And I was really enjoying and really appreciating. It could have gone so badly. And I think, you know, depending on, on, on the person watching it, there's empathy shown in that sequence that maybe some people would feel uncomfortable with that level of empathy. Yeah. But I really feel like it comes from a place of such sincerity and such realness and rawness that it really, boy, I mean, when I think of the moments that stuck with me throughout the year, when you asked about the movies of 2020 that I might want to revisit it, revisit for this, this is the one that's front to mind, and it's solely because of that scene.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. Um, I I do remember seeing this for the first time, like having trouble wrapping my head around that scene, like like you're alluding to. You know, some people might have a problem with um, Mm -hmm. what's happening there, and in the end, that catharsis that um, you know these characters seek. Um, But seeing it now, like it's um, it's all about control, like 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 you're saying, and something you see very early on in the movie. I think one of the within the first five minutes is when you see. Uh, uh, uh hunter when you see her uh with you know her husband and uh his parents they're having dinner and the way it's shot again I'm, I'm gonna go back to like the, like the, the visuals of this because it, it does this sure. so well mm-hmm. you see her just zone out because like they're just saying things she's not interested in and she's just and i, th- I think Mom's like disrespecting her in, in in their own like you know higher class way like looking down at her she just stares at like a a, a glass of ice and it's it's and you see her mindset there like she would rather you know take herself uh to another plane of existence <laughs> in that little <laughs> moment you know to, to to have her control to have something to hold on to um in this moment where she just feels like powerless and
1: at, it, at that moment it's preceded by the way and not to interrupt but it's preceded by her being pushed into telling uh what appears to be a somewhat embarrassing story that she doesn't want to tell an extremely relatable thing where someone is exuding their will on you to get you to say something that you don't want to say and then when she tries to say it gets almost immediately interrupted
0: yeah exactly yeah so yeah it's that grasp for control and that's how i saw through that lens seeing that ending that, that, at, at that birthday party, I saw that in that mm-hmm. way, you know, that grasping of control and who's in charge and her performance, uh, uh, Haley Bennett's performance, like from beginning to end, um, going from like a, like a, a subdued, like, you know, I guess very much like housewife state, this passive state to mm-hmm. something else entirely by the end. That was also amazing to see. And I think Haley Bennett does an incredible job here um, as Hunter you know, as the woman who has that condition, a uh, pike, I believe it's 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 it's, it's mm-hmm. what they call it. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, but that to me is incredible too. That that performance of her and the entire cast. Um, uh, talk about uh, Doug. Um, let me see. Uh, the, uh, how about the, the the other performances in this film? Like uh, like her husband, uh, played by Austin Stowell, and then I love Elizabeth Marvel as the mother in law, mm-hmm. and David uh, Rash as the father in law. Yeah, uh, yeah. Talk about the cast.
1: Well, I mean, I always love seeing Dave Ra- David Rash pop up in anything, whether yeah. <laughs> it be the Co- Coen Brothers' recent films, whether, of course, it be In the Loop, and, of course, the classic uh, eighty sitcom Sledgehammer, which is always what I connect uh, him to. Austin Stoll is walking a really interesting line in this movie where um, he is – I mean, we, we can tell very early on that he isn't a charming, lovable partner – to Hunter in this movie, that his character, uh, it isn't that he ha- has this level of darkness necessarily. I think really the the kind of dick-headedness, I will call it, comes yeah. out uh, first when he's uh, getting dressed to go to work in the morning and he finds out that she has um, ironed his tie and it was a silk tie. And he gets this moment of just being a, a total jerk, you know, looks directly in her eyes and says, no, it's okay, but obviously it's not okay. And it's just this little thing that, as pushes her to that next level of oh i'm supposed to be perfect i made one mistake and it's made him really upset and i think that anyone who's been in a relationship like that where they feel like they can't be themselves where they feel like they are maybe are do have that that level of weight of control on them and that doesn't have to be a romantic relationship it could be a work relationship it could be a family relationship there's a lot of ways that that can uh, produce itself but in that sequence you can feel that is that compulsion in her building, because the perfection that she that is expected of her, and the lack of control that she has on her life, you know, that, that it has to uh, come out in some other way. So I think he does a really good job of playing that. And of course, uh, uh, later in the film, he he's a lot more intensely unpleasant. And you kind of are waiting for that to come out. And it's not a surprise when it actually does. But I mean, let's face it, this is the Haley Bennett show. This is her movie and this movie would not work without an incredibly strong and nuanced performance from her and it's a it's a testament to her that when that first hour is complete and the movie takes a bit of a turn that you at that point are with her all the way even though she's playing up to that point a lot of uh in to a very great extent a passive character that there's hints of all of this background all of this texture to this person and by that point you're like i know i was i was all in i just was i just wanted to see where her journey was going to take her next so just a really amazing performance and i'm sure we're going to be seeing a lot more of her very soon
0: absolutely yeah um i know i caught her in an actually a movie i talked about in this series a few weeks ago months now i think it was back in october she was in um the devil all the time in a very small room mm-hmm so I, uh, I hope to also see her in more stuff. Um, another thing that stood out to me watching it again in 2021 this time, um, it's just how relatable those scenes were of Hunter because she is just, she doesn't have a job. She's, she's at home and she doesn't seem to have like a, a hobby because <laughs> she's on her phone all the time. She's she's watching movies. She's, she's watching TV. That sense of loneliness like that sense of like not having anything to do, mm-hmm. relatable, <laughs> especially now in you know in in, in a, during a pandemic and in quarantine, um, and that I found in, in, intensely relatable and another way I connected to the character because just sometimes you need you know not only um is it like a like is it a sense of like control over you know people around you but it's in control of yourself like this is you know the one thing that i have that i can do that i'm in control of you know yeah that that to me is is another powerful thing about this movie um just how somebody deals with loneliness um, Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And in fact, the, the the physical act of hugging another person becomes intensely symbolic in this movie I, I, in, in a number of different levels. Uh, there's a character, a, a friend of her husband's, a work friend, and there's a scene, a very uncomfortable scene where they hug and it becomes something more than really... Uh, an intrusion, which is what it is at first. And then later, uh, Hunter hugs her therapist after she reveals something intensely personal to them. They're, They're not the kind of hug, the warm hug, that I think a lot of people who have been isolated for a very long time during the past year would want to experience with friends. I know that we all are looking to break out of that isolation, but that physical act, and not just the act of hugging, I mean, the sexual act in this movie becomes very symbolic as well because especially later in the movie it is literally the only power that she is able to exude over her husband comes through sexuality.
0: Yeah, exactly, and that's another powerful dynamic um, that I don't know I don't ever really see in a movie, you know, where mm. a woman takes control like that and exudes her power in that way, which is, like yes, very refreshing. Thank you for that. Um, let's see what else can we say about this movie? Because I, I this is a a, a movie that I love that I don't want to spoil. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I think, I think for anybody who's coming into this, I, I get it's, it's, it's almost like, yes, there, there, there is some, um, there's some graphic stuff happening that you, I mean, you see her swallow things that, and those scenes for me in particular were really, you know, uh, uh, horrific in that way that, I mean, it's not gory. There is blood. But just the way it's shot and the way it's like carefully constructed, like she, like that pin scene early on, for example, you know, she and, and also they're very long scenes, you know, and and it's 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 in a good way that they're long. You know, she attempts to swallow a pin and oh, sorry, uh, I guess a, a thumbtack or a pin, you know, whatever those are called. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. She does it. She has the first attempt and spits it out immediately and her tongue bleeds then she goes at it again <laughs> and in that long sequence i'm like oh my gosh i remember reeling in the theater when i first watched this and and yeah it there's escalation is, is what i'll say that's my warning to people mm-hmm. this thing escalates and um if you uh can't handle that sort of uh you know visual of a, of, of a beautiful woman like swallowing very spiky things then um maybe avoid this but still this is a great movie <laughs>
1: I will say that even if you are squeamish, it's not you can't say that the movie doesn't prepare you for what's to come because there is a lamb slaughtered in the first minute of this movie. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, that 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 is, you know, it's not shown in exceedingly graphic detail, uh, but it certainly is meant to be incredibly unpleasant. So uh, this movie does kind of prep you for the, the tone and the content that's about to come after. But one thing that I don't think we've really gotten to regarding this movie is that there are moments of real humor in it, very dark oh, humor. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, this is a—I would call this an intensely black comedy at its heart. Which uh, I don't know if everyone would see that, especially considering some of the taboo subject matter that it covers. But there, this—I I do think that there's a bit of a wink happening to the audience, especially in some of those shot choices. But you know, when someone describes what this movie is about, I think they—they they don't need to be told afterwards that they're going to be seeing some unpleasant things in it.
0: <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because there there are those moments of levity, like uh, her um, her husband and her family hires like a basically a bodyguard to mm-hmm. to, to keep an eye on her, and I I, I liked him um, this this character who I, I forget where he's from an immigrant from he's Syria Syrian. yeah Syrian right yeah.
1: that's a really incredible evolution of their relationship yeah because I mean he isn't just a bodyguard he is meant to keep an eye on her. All the time to the point where he basically, I mean, literally has to pat her down when she goes to the bathroom to make sure that she's not carrying something that she might swallow. But he says to her, he's like, if you, because he had to leave Syria because of war, he said to her that she wouldn't have the mental issues that she's dealing with if she was from Syria like he was, because the war wouldn't allow her to, you know, it, it, it takes up too much of what that person is to allow these kind of, I guess, uh, uh, for him, I guess he would see them as kind of silly mental issues that she's dealing with. But the fact is, he becomes more sympathetic to her as he sees her struggle throughout. But that kind of happens in the background. Because he is just in the background for much of the movie at that point. And then something happens a little bit later where we see that this character has... Um, that he's made a decision. And and you wonder how much of that background that he has and what he has seen in her leads to him to make that decision. So, yeah, I think he's great. I think he's, But like you said there is something kind of inherently funny about this very stoic, very kind of distance character uh, and the way that they kind of interact.
0: Yeah. Leith, uh, Neckley is the actor's name. Um, and yeah, one of my favorite shots or like reaction shots, uh, in this movie is of, is of him, you know, near the end of the movie, I won't spoil it, but it's, it's, it's in relation to his connection with her, with, with Hunter. And yeah, it's, it's it's it, it's a the most heartfelt connection uh, that she has in that first half of the movie. It turns out, <laughs> yeah. You know, um, but yeah, it's it's so good. Um, before we move on, Doug, was there anything else you wanted to talk about in terms of swallow?
1: Boy, you know, I just want to to say to anyone listening who might feel hesitant because of our our kind of hitting the point that if you're squeamish, that there's unpleasant imagery, that there's unpleasant thematic elements to this movie that you might have trouble with. I do think it's one that it's worth kind of seeking out and pushing through all the same. Uh, I think that there it there's so much to it visually and in terms of the performances and thematically. And because it it, it is covering ground that is not something that you see in movies every day, but it's doing so in a very kind of stylistic and... A polished way, that it's a good kind of introductory (laughs) way to get into not necessarily extreme cinema, but cinema that pushes boundaries. And I think this is a really kind of one that you can go into and it can push those boundaries back a little and then maybe, you know, expand your horizons regarding the kind of of films that you you, uh, choose to watch.
0: Yeah, good point. Yeah, because for for every warning I give you, like it, it never crosses the line of being exploitive. I I don't think it's always like centered on the characters, like every, you know, squeamish moment has a purpose to it. And by the end, yeah, it's, it has that emotional punch that is, 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 is like a true drama and not just, you know, a flat out, not to say, you know, exploitative, you know, horror movies are bad, but you know, (laughs) it, it, it's, it's, get I guess it's, it's a bit smarter than, than that. Um, uh, so, yeah, if you're hesitant about it, about viewing it, you know, people listening, you know, keep that in mind. It's 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 smarter than you may think. Um, I
1: also think it makes a great uh, double feature with uh, the recent Invisible Man film.
0: Oh yes, cover yeah.
1: covers some similar thematic territory, but actually, visually and the way that it's structured is similar enough that I think that they would really complement each other well.
0: Yeah, and I will say, um, the plan is. Uh, to have this episode, because uh, I usually have two segments per episode, um, I'm gonna I'm going to pair this segment with uh, "I'm Your Woman," uh, which I just recorded earlier today. Um, and "I'm Your Woman" surprisingly enough, I didn't make this, con- this connection till you know today after having seen that movie and rewatched this one. Also very similar in theme. So there you go. You, you can watch "Invisible Wo- uh, uh, Invisible Man" <laughs> and also "I'm Your Woman" with Swallow. You have many options, folks. Um, So there you go. Swallow. I think it's available as for this recording on Showtime here in the States. Uh, And also just buy buy it. You know what? I'm sure it's on sale (laughs) on Blu-ray, VOD. Worth it. Uh, I'll I'll emphasize again, visually, a stunning movie. I do love how this this movie looks. So there you go. Uh, Doug, as I've been asking uh, guests uh, in this series... Um, I wanted to talk to you about how you've uh, handled movie watching during the global pandemic we're all in. We're still in. Uh, how has your movie watching habits, uh, how have they changed over the last year?
1: Well, I mean, like everyone else, the theatrical experience for me ended in March of last year. And in fact, The Invisible Man was the last film I saw in the theater. Um, I have taken lockdown extremely seriously. Uh, even though mm. I live... Uh, in a place where we haven't been hit as hard as in some areas of the world, and in and in and indeed in some areas of the province in which I live, it I don't want I want to be an example to other people, and I also just can't feel comfortable right now sitting in a room with recycled air with dozens of other people you know breathing it. Maybe there's an element of of just paranoia about that, but I think 2020 taught us all to be a little paranoid. Um, so t- to me. I've had to find other avenues to scratch that itch of communal viewing. And I will say that one positive thing um, about the year 2020 is that we found new ways to do that. And whether that be getting together with friends on Zoom and watching a movie that way, uh, I have... uh, Investigated. There's a, a, a an app called Cast where you can communally watch movies. Netflix has has group watches. Amazon has group watches. Uh, there are and and this I don't know if this is a secret that is not supposed to be discussed. <laughs> but on Twitch there are regular there are movie channels that that are I mean frankly illegally putting together marathons of films, uh, uh, thematic marathons that are meant to be communally watched and discussed while they're on. Uh, There's been all-night marathons that have been uh, done by friends of mine and by uh, probably mutual friends of ourselves. It's been an opportunity to find new ways to capture that feeling of being in a place enjoying movies together. Uh, And and it's never going to capture it I, to, to the full extent of, of sitting in a cinema. And I don't know when the next time I'm going to be able to experience that in the way that I did before is going to be. But I, I do want to kind of champion the people and the, the kind of the software really that has has pushed that forward. And that I do think that that is going to continue no matter where the cinematic experience goes in the next year, two years, three years, that there's going to be a place for getting together with friends and just watching weird shit together.
0: Oh yeah, I'm. I'm glad you brought this up because it's something I haven't touched on uh, in the previous segments for this series. But yeah, that the the technology that's allowed us to. Communally, uh, c- c- communally—is that a word? To watch movies together <laughs> online is what I'm saying. Um, mm-hmm. Like one of my favorite experiences was watching like a compilation of beheadings at a film festival <laughs> online, <laughs> right. mm-hmm. and it was all through this. I forgot the app they were using, but it, it worked out. Like there were some hiccups here and there, in you know, in the during this live feed. But it was like live. The host was there on screen presenting this th- these clips, and people were in the chat room and watching along, and. It was. It was. It, you know, like you know, to your point, like it's not going to fully replicate the experience of watching it in a theater, but it's it's close. It's close enough. It was fun. That's the you know that that was my big takeaway. Moments like that from this past year have made me like hopeful that you know we can carry those ideas you know into the future. We can you know. Uh, Not only film festivals, but like any other, you know, uh, uh, mutual viewing experience we can share online with people who we don't live next to, who are not in the same city as us. So that's a great thing. If that's, you know, if if there's one positive we can take away from 2020.
1: (laughs) I think it's given me a a really big appreciation for the idea of curation, right? For someone sitting you down and saying... I'm going to show you something that you have not seen or maybe you've seen and you haven't seen it in this context, but I'm going to dictate what you are going to see for the next hour, the next two hours, the next three hours, and maybe you'll come back next week and I'm going to do it again. That idea of having the trust in someone who is going to show you something that maybe again talking about comfort zones that might be outside your comfort zone maybe outside your general uh, sphere of interest but it it's so exciting to experience new things with like-minded people and you know at at our core as people who are really interested in film and uh and film culture i i think there's something really beautiful about that and maybe beautiful is a ridiculous word to use <laughs> but i do think the idea of of that kind of shared experience, and especially when you hit something that everyone is like, I can't believe this exists, i would never heard of this before, this is so amazing, there's really nothing that can beat that.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think beautiful is the right word. Yeah, I yeah, I think we, we can both say it's beautiful. And if you don't agree, folks, uh, I don't know. Um, uh, get some get some culture um <laughs> before we go doug um were there any films from for any other films in 2020 that you'd like to um shout out that you like that you um that you saw and you could recommend
1: i mean i didn't watch a ton of 2020 films and that's another thing about the year it didn't make me kind of pull inward and 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 kind of look to the past more to, than to the present. Uh, but that isn't to say that I didn't, uh, as I mentioned, I've, I, I did see and very much enjoyed The Invisible Man. There's another horror film um, from 2020 called Relic um, about, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, about a family dealing with um, a parent that is starting to uh, succumb to dementia, but it's a horror film, and it's, I think it's really well done. It did not hit me as strongly as it hit some others, uh, but maybe it's maybe because I saw it before my own family had some uh, health crises in the second half of the year, maybe if I was to revisit it now, it would actually hit in the way that it seems to have hit a lot of people. The, the comedy Palm Springs with Andy Samberg and uh, Kristen Melody, I... I I was kind of surprised to see it on best of 2020 uh, list, but I guess in retrospect, it was the kind of movie that really captured the zeitgeist almost accidentally uh, when it came out early in the year. It just sort of popped up and everyone seemed to be talking about it for about three weeks straight. But it kind of seemed to me like then everyone had seen it and no one was talking about <laughs> it anymore. Uh, but it, it, I guess it resonated with enough people that uh, that you did kind of see it. Um, still still linger at the end of the year. I just want to say though that the movie that I experienced in 2020 that I was most surprised and delighted by was not a 2020 movie. It's a movie from 2010. I don't know if you've heard of this one before. It's called Flooding with Love for the Kid. Mm. And this is a movie. It's amazing. I, I I didn't know what to expect when I saw it. It's by a director named Zachary Oversen and it is a shot for shot well actually it's not a shot for shot it is a adaptation of the novel first blood the which again was was uh later uh, adapted into the first blood movie with sylvester stallone it's an adaptation of the novel shot entirely in w- one apartment with one actor playing all of the roles wow and it is an un like it that that could go <laughs> all sorts of different ways it sounds it sounds like it would be just kind of this um this self-indulgent experiment, but in reality, you see this incredible performance, and performance is of someone taking this incredibly seriously. And he made this adaptation ninety six dollars in a single apartment. If you can find a copy of "Flooding with Love" for the kid, I strongly recommend it.
0: There you go. Uh, you got me there, Doug. I have not heard of that, and I'm I'm going to look it up and try <laughs> try see if I can watch this madness because it, it sounds super intriguing. Wow.
1: (laughs) Intriguing is the word.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Intriguing. Beautiful, maybe. Um, (laughs) uh, Doug, thank you. Great conversation. Before we go, uh, plugs. Where can people listening find you online?
1: Well, you can find me on Twitter at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. And you can also find my podcast uh, Cinema Smorgasbord, uh, which is over at the CinePunks Network. That's at CinePunks.com. but You can find all the latest episodes at CinemaSmorgasbord.com. Uh, that podcast is an umbrella podcast with a bunch of podcasts devoted to different subject matter, including the filmographies of Jackie Chan, uh, Carol Kane, uh, the uh, Filipino Peter Lorre, Vic Diaz, and others. Check that out at CinemaSmorgasbord.com. And also, I do a podcast about micro-budget cinema, called No Budget Nightmares and you can find that at nobudgetpodcast.com both of those are on Facebook as well if you just do the search for their titles
0: there you go folks check that out Doug thanks again here with me for another segment uh, of uh, the series in which we discuss 2020 films is water hey water Hey, how's it going? It's going good. It's going good. It's a good Tuesday uh, evening. It's five five o'clock. Even that's that that's evening, right? As, soon as it hits five, it's you know yeah yeah it's 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 the evening.
2: Um, it's six o'clock in my current time zone, so yeah, I'll give it to you. Six o'clock, definitely.
0: Definitely there. Definitely there. Um, uh, ho- hopefully, gearing for an uninventful, you know week ahead. Um, so, knock on wood. Um, but for hey. real. Yes, honestly. Uh, hopefully, by the time this is out, you know the world hasn't gone to shit further. You know more, more so than before. It would be nice. Yeah, it would it be nice? Uh, but yes, we're in twenty twenty one. We're still talking twenty twenty movies. Um, I uh, I think this uh, uh, this idea or you coming on the show, Walter, um, came about from that prompt I did a few. Weeks ago, months maybe now, of like, hey, who wants to be on my podcast? And a lot of people replied, talked about a lot of movies so far, I'm gonna be recording more segments, um, gonna be doing this for the next few weeks. Um, some of these I had not seen before, some of these I had seen before and am eager to rewatch. Um, this one I had not seen before, it's been on my radar, but I finally sat down and watched it today for this uh, segment. And I'm happy to talk about it because it's a good movie. Spoilers. Um, it's a good movie. Uh, but Walter, before, well, I mean, <laughs> I was going to say before we talk about the movie. No, we're talking about the movie now. <laughs> uh, uh, tell me and the audience, because I already know. Tell the audience, Walter, what movie you ended up picking uh, for this series.
2: All right. I chose I Am Your Woman, actually. It, this movie, I'll tell you this. I did not like this movie initially when I when I first sat down and watched it. Yeah, this was not high on my list um, at all uh, when I when I first sat down and watched. It, I did not really care for like the pacing or the especially like the, the the length of certain scenes. I, I thought were were too long. It's just a lot of things. I'm just like, all right, God, this movie's this movie's fucking terrible. Um, however, subsequent viewings and time, uh, I like it when a movie sticks with me. If it's a movie that I'm kind of constantly thinking about, that's a very good sign. Uh, for you, if I'm constantly, if you're constantly kind of in the back of my mind, like, oh, you know, that was, you know, that scene was kind of, was kind of cool. Like, and just thinking about the characters again, kind of the world they inhabit and the overall, like, movie as a whole. No, nope, Chain of mind, loved it. That's, that's amazing. I love when
0: that happens. When, when, um like, for me, the biggest example of that is when I saw Michael Clayton for the first time. And I came out of, yeah. I came out of that movie hating it. I made fun of it. You know, I, I described certain scenes to people and just made fun of what was happening, Michael Klein because that was a ridiculous movie. But just like you, and with this movie, it like it, it stuck with me. Certain scenes stuck with me. The character stuck with me. And then now, after subsequent viewings and you know a, you know, a lot more time, you know, uh, 14 years now, um, I love it. It's one of my favorites of all time, Michael klein And you know, I'm gonna say, I'm your woman. I did like it a lot. But I can totally see how you could, like, just say this isn't very good on the first viewing. Because it's – yeah, it's – it's certainly – it's not conventional in the way you would think, like, a quote-unquote crime drama is. And it certainly takes its time with scenes. It certainly doesn't go exactly where you would expect. And, yeah, there's a lot to it that's not, like, clean for me. But – like right away, I can say it stuck with me, and the performances for sure. I can rave. Yes, I can rave absolutely. about. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm guessing you saw this back when it came out, because um, uh, uh, this is an Amazon Prime film. Came out on December fourth yes. uh, to all Amazon Prime members, um, which I I still think is uh, I don't know. It, it, you know, it, and we'll talk about you know movie watching during the pandemic because that's another topic i've been talking to people about um but i guess my point is uh it's it was easy for me to like um uh, um uh kind of like have this fly under my radar like i knew about it but i was like oh that's that looks interesting and then i was like nah i'm i'm i'm, I'm good there's other movies i can watch uh Walter, talk about like you coming to this movie for the first time like what made you watch it and were you a fan of the star of the movie, uh, Ray- uh, Rachel Bros- Brosnahan,
2: beforehand. So I this so much since I'm a podcaster myself, and much like you, a lot of the movies that I end up getting gravitated to, I see other podcasters that have the they have somehow are able to get access to these movies before any of us are. Yeah, you know, um, more established, you know, longer or more accredited, you know, podcasts. Um, We'll be talking about it. Uh, other reviewers that I follow on Twitter um, will be talking about it, and so eventually, I'll, you know, I'll take notes. I'll, I'll pick up on this and go, "Okay, this is probably a movie that's probably worth at least checking out at least once." And if I see enough people talking about it, um, and when we get into the later section, there'll be maybe something another. You'll clearly we'll see a pattern here uh, when it comes to that sort of stuff, uh, and so when it was finally available, and I finally got to sit down and watch. I said, "Okay, I'm gonna see what all the hype's about." You know, I saw a lot of people kind of not spoiling it, you know, talking about it, and their, their overall... They weren't sure how... They didn't seem to be sure how to feel about it. At first, when it first came... When the, they were first getting their reviews, and so I was like, okay, well, let's see how I... You know, see how see how I dig it. And so sat down and, and watched it one one evening, and again, like I said, wasn't keen. <laughs> 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 didn't sit well with me at all. I'm like, this movie is terrible. Like, I don't see how people are making a, a big deal about this. Um, but... And looking, it's it, sometimes for me. It's it's looking at movies in a different with a different kind of lens. You know, from like a, a movie that I can say that was like that for me was uh, Cabin in the Woods, which I absolutely panned on our podcast when we first watched it. And watching it again with a with another set of lenses, it's a, it's brilliant. It's fucking brilliant. And this movie is in that same vein. And I like it when a movie sticks with me, much like I said earlier. Um, and a lot of I would say. Movies that I consider to be great have all done this. Um, movies like Drive, Attack the Block, um, The Neon Demon, Only God Forgives. I know it's like three like those wonderful reference movies in a row, but I'm also <laughs> a big Riffle fan, so I don't care. <laughs> I am a fanboy, and I'll admit it. Um, and this movie is this movie is has really has really stuck to me uh, to the point that. I can absolutely tell you this will be in my top five of the year. Oh, well. I don't know where it will fall, yeah. based on uh, what else I'll end up seeing before uh, I submit my top my top five of the year. But this is absolutely going to be in there, um, and it's probably going to be close to the top because I, I think that this movie is uh, is is pretty brilliant in its writing, in its execution, um, and I'm I'm kind of disappointed uh, that it's only got a six point two on IMDb. Not that I use that to to. Uh, warrant what's good or what's not good but it's i'm always surprised by what the the meta scores are Mm, right when it's something when it's something that either if it's something i really really love or really really hate like i hated under the skin and everybody loves that movie for some reason and i think it's total pretentious artsy fartsy (laughs) bullshit nonsense um and people love it and i i still i have tried watching it a couple other times and i'm like i i can't i i don't know what this is maybe maybe it's me um but the performances in this, uh, Rachel Brosnahan's uh, you know, in it uh, is great. Marsha Stephanie Blake is great in it. Um, it I think I think this, this movie is well casted. And at first, I'm kind of watching it going, "This is these are kind of like like the wish version of like other named." Stars, <laughs> like in terms of their looks, it's like they couldn't get Sarah Paulson, so they got uh, they got Brosnan. I will but say she's, she's 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 fantastic in this. Little- oh no, yeah, I'm she's- gonna give her credit credit's due. She's yeah. great.
0: Don't don't get me wrong. I I, I you know I had this that uh, the, here's what I thought of like no not what I thought of like her performance. Her performance is great. Here's what I thought of like her as an actress watching this movie. I go, she looks familiar. I'm sure I've seen her before. I try to wrap my hand around where I know her from. I have not seen that Amazon Prime show she's on that she's won so many awards for, um, which I forget the name of now. I should also have my notes up. Um, but <laughs> it turns out I saw her plenty in House of Cards. She was a, a cast member on that show. And I used to watch that oh, okay. show you know, before things took a turn for the worse. Um, but yeah, that's where I know her face from. That's where I know her acting from. Uh, mostly and then she's popped up like here and there on other uh in, in you know in, in, in other films but yeah like to your point like it's almost you know to kind of twist this into a positive i think she's sort of a chameleon in the way sort of like sarah paulson kind of is too of that yes. face of like you know it's it's easy to mistake for somebody else but you know when you're <laughs> when you're like knee deep in this movie once this movie gets going it's like now it's gonna be hard for me not to, you know, recognize her and say, yes, that's hey, that's 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 the lead from my uh, from uh, I'm Your Woman. I'm never gonna forget that now, because uh, it certainly takes a a turn this film. Like, um, not to give anything away, not to really spoil it, but you start like with her being, you know, not even like a you know a, a traditional housewife, but somebody uh, like a wife who stays at home who has a kid, which we'll talk about here in a bit. And then by the end, she has a change and she becomes like a different person, you know, like any, you know, film, you know, it's, it's called a character arc. Um, but yeah, but from beginning to end, I bought every single turn and I bought like her, you know, transformation through this whole thing. Um, but, yeah, so, but speaking of the plot, uh, watcher do you mind breaking down what, what happens in I'm Your Woman?
2: All right, so at the, I, I don't want to spoil anything, so I'm going like, to give it the kind of like the real... Short, short description. Yeah, uh, you have Jean, who is who is uh, married to a a character we haven't we haven't we don't get to see yet. We don't get to see Eddie until until later. Um, and she's talking about how they tried to have a kid. They couldn't have a kid. One day, he shows up with a kid, and he's like, "Don't ask questions." <laughs> and at that point, I would ask a lot of fucking questions. But this is set in the seventies, and so. This is set. Uh, I, I'm not sure exactly where in the '70s it's supposed to be. I mean, the cars are like '68, '69s, so this is still during the women's liberation movement, so to speak. I, I believe that's where the timeline falls, where the you know a lot of women were still taking this more submissive role, to, you know, to their husbands, uh, staying at home, taking care of the house while there was a, a primary breadwinner, and so she just doesn't ask questions, and then something happens, and we're not told. And I love how we're not told anything. Yeah. And that's, I think, the thing that really I really love about this. They the Julia Hart has written the, the script in that it gives you pe- little pieces for you to fill in on your own as you go along. Um, she gets a, a guardian that shows up at the house uh, named Cal. And he's like, we got to go. And he's not explaining anything because he can't. He's like, I can't tell you. We just got to go. And so... You, clearly there's a there's a, a there's a there's a, a looming imminent threat and uh he has been sent to protect her uh from whatever this threat is and we we as the audience don't know and we don't know where Eddie is no one knows where Eddie is and that's like the question that they keep trying to keep trying to ask and things it's a when people say slow burn I think they're not using it correctly <laughs> <laughs> Because a slow burn in, in, in implies at the end that there's going to be a, a powder keg moment, and there kind of is, but it's not necessarily at the end of the movie. There's a there's a really wild scene that shows up about two thirds of the way of the movie uh, through the movie uh, that takes place in a nightclub, and I'm not gonna give any details there. Pretty insane because if you can imagine being in this situation yourself, you would shit your pants. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and as as we see this, you know her character seems to be really uh, passive for the most part. But as we see her evolve less, so asking more questions, um, getting more answers and putting things together on her own. So that way, when you get to the ultimate conclusion here, uh, of, of the film, everything makes sense. You know, yeah, that it's not just this out of the blue. Um, it's one thing, it's one thing. I mean, I do love a, a good, um, a good, you know, revenge type story, a good, where you know, a good story where you have, you know, the heroine or the hero um, is, you know, fighting back. But one thing I've always felt like I've always, I've never really liked is like the, the, the sudden, like, badassery moment that a, a character in the usual revenge movies gets, you know what I mean? Yeah. Where they suddenly become a house of, you know, house of guns, a house of knives all of a sudden. They're just, you know, kicking ass and taking names this doesn't do that this gives you a different kind of badassery and it is someone who has finally like stopped being passive and and has decided to take a more active role in their own lives yeah exactly yeah I hope that made sense oh yeah not giving
0: too much away yeah it does and like the only thing i want to add in is um like 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 we were saying before like this takes like a um you know, an unusual, sometimes refreshing look at you know a typical like crime thriller, like uh, well, I'll, I'll, absolutely, yeah. And I will add like a um, uh, uh, Jean, you know, the the the, the main character, uh, Rachel uh, Brosnahan. Like uh, she's married to somebody who's in you know a criminal organization, and you hear about things or you don't hear about things that are happening, you know, not you know not on screen, you know, off screen, and that's what I find like refreshing about it. it's like. In any other crime movie, you know, in a in a typical crime movie I should say, you would see all this stuff, you know, that that Absolutely. that they talk about that they describe or, you know, that and then you and then some sometimes people lie about what's happening off-screen. So you would mm-hmm. see, you know, a lot a lot more action scenes. It would be like I don't know. I can't think of a crime movie right now that this would <laughs> this would be on the periphery of like. But this is everything that happens like to the supporting characters to like somebody who's married to somebody in that organization. That's why I love about this approach, and it and it takes that, um, and it focuses on like this relationship of Jean and her husband, and and this is the last thing I'll say without giving anything away. But just that like like what's told and what's not told. And like what mm-hmm. Jean has to find out on her own, you know, outside of her husband's, like, um, you know, uh, of his presence, like, just by herself. This is what Jean is, has to find out by herself. That's what I love about this. Ultimately, because I did, honestly, I was like trying to grasp like what the th- what like a big theme was, what um what I was supposed to take away from this. But but, but by the end, I finally got. It's like, oh, okay, I see. And yeah, that also is like hand in hand with her. Transforming into like something else, um, being more
2: active than passive. So yeah, um, I love that aspect of this movie. Um, and and the, the, the other aspect too is being the active and passive is that we only see things through Jean's eyes, despite the fact that we're not in a POV mode. Yeah. Because there is a there's a there is and because when they were talking about how they don't show they they kind of leave it so that they don't always show it on the screen. when it is shown on screen and Jean's present, it's fucking brutal. Oh, I'm, yeah. t- I'm looking at you, Evelyn. <laughs> you know, it, but later on, when you get to the club scene, it's, we're still, we're still with Gene, and all you can see is through a window.
0: Yeah. Yo, yeah, Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it, it yeah, it, it never veers, it never veers away from that. And it always makes like her and like you as the audience, you're along uh, on this ride with Gene, like basically like um, trying to survive in this, you know, uh, uh, underworld of these shady characters, and you don't know who to trust. Like you don't know if like somebody's going to come in and do something awful because you're just not sure who is who, and that you get that sense relatively early in the film without giving anything away. <laughs> it's like oh, <laughs> things can go bad and at any point here, and uh, oh, it's. It, yeah now thinking about it more talking about it more I do like this movie a lot more uh, you know sitting on it um, just having seen it about an hour ago um, I, I should say this is a, a little fun fact. Um, the producer and co-writer of this is Jordan Horitz who you might not know his name but you know his face. He was one of the producers of La La Land, and said that Moonlight won the Oscar for Best Picture instead of uh, uh, La La Land. Uh, but he's uh, producing this with his wife Julia Hart, the director, and co-wrote it with her. Ah, yeah. So that's a that's an interesting little twist. Uh, this is written by a married couple. So take that with you know, take that information do with it you know what you will. <laughs> read, re- <laughs> read that into this story. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I me being a single person. Um, I have, uh, you know, some experience with relationships, but not to the extent of like marriage, but I do feel it has something, it has a lot to say about marriage. Uh, how do you feel about that, Walter?
2: Oh, I'm i I'm a married man. So, uh, I enjoy every minute of it, believe it or not. Oh, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's the, um, it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things that's just kind of. I find kind of tired when people, you know, make like the whole like, oh, like when I was like engaged and like, oh, you're getting married? Don't do it. You know, <laughs> like if, 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 I mean, I think, I think when it comes to, when it comes to marriage in itself, I think what you see is you get a lot of people um, who feel that like it's got to be on their own timeline and on their own terms. You know what I mean? And for me, it was not the case. I was basically just waiting to call my shot. Like I, if I knew when the right person would come along, you know, I wasn't going to try to, f- you know, force it through just for the sake of like, Oh, I've been with this person for X amount of years. Like I want to make sure I was doing it right the first time, you know? Um, and you know, that's where I am now. Uh, so, you know, and I, and I think that the relationship I have with, with my wife, I think is, is a very good relationship. Uh, we complement each other pretty well and, uh, played each other's strengths and weaknesses fairly well as well. So, you know, it, it, it's – and also, too, you know, it's 2021 now. This was taking place in, like, the early 70s when the, the, the dynamic was very, very different. Oh, yeah. You know, you know when I said earlier, you know, that you, you had a lot more women staying home, taking care of the kids or taking care of the house if there were no kids. Um, you know, the husband was was the worker and, you know, they didn't really have a voice in, in what was going on in terms of the house, you know. Yeah. Uh, the household itself, it was basically, okay, well, we got, you know, we're doing this, this, and this. And then it really had like any sort of major input outside of maybe going grocery shopping, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and so it's, it's, it's very much night and day uh, when, it, when it, you know, it's society wise uh, between the setting of this movie and what we have now. And so I think that that's also important to how the story arc plays out. You know, uh, exactly. because I think, I think that if you don't look at, if you're looking at it through a 2021 lens, you know, people are like, well, how the hell could she be like this? That's not what it was like that. That wasn't how it was back then. You know, um, talking to my, you know, my parents and, you know, my grandparents and all that, it was a very different society, you know, societal expectations, circumstances and all that. And that's reflected in this, you know, in addition to the, you know, the excellent costuming and How they shot it in a way, as well in a city, to not be able not be able to tell you what city you're in, which I liked.
0: Yeah, yeah,
2: nothing nothing familiar. A city, but not you don't know what city. And so they're also, I think that also helped them too in the production of this, uh, because I I don't think this had a very large budget at all. And that's one way you can make keep the environment and the flavor going without having to spend too much money, and keeping it also a rich environment, not just letting it be like this kind of oh, it's kind of. Yeah, it's a city, fine, whatever it is, you know? Um, and I, So I think that that's as, as much as enmeshed in this, how this movie is put together as a whole and how this movie, I received it as a whole. I think all of the pieces just work together so well. It is a complete meal. Absolutely, yeah. And yeah, I do have to credit Julia
0: Hart uh, as a director because... Like, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know how, um, how costly this thing was, but I'm sure it was small, relatively, you know, uh, possibly like an indie film budget, right? Um, yeah, that's what so I'm thinking. Yeah, but you know, but you know, she uses it to its full extent. Like, I, 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 I like how her camera makes it feel very like um, you know like it was shot in the 70s like with the lens flares for example like uh, if like if I'm if I'm correct in my assumption I uh, maybe this wasn't shot on film but maybe on digital so you'd have to like replicate the lens flares um, uh, you know uh, uh, digitally and if that was the case then they put it up you know, put it off pretty well that that you know lens flare yeah. you know late 70s look of, of film so, yeah, those little details, and like you're saying, the clothes, the setting, all that, like, really, really helps with the story and, and, and places it, you know, in that time. And then I have to point this out, um, going back to that topic of, like, marriage, like, I like will say, like, the relationship between, uh, you know, the uh, Jean and her husband, <clears throat> that's one way, you know, of looking at marriage, you know, back then in that time. But maybe one of the most beautiful moments in the film is when Jean... Looks at another couple. I'm not gonna say who it is, and they're a more progressive couple, where like these two do so much for each other. Like they're both equally, you know, talented mm-hmm. in like the things they do, um, and they're both protecting each other in ways that I can't imagine like Jean and her husband, or maybe her husband, Jean's husband would do for Jean. Yeah, I don't know. It's a different relationship, but that moment's on Rachel Brosnahan's face, looking at that loving couple and what could be that was also a beautiful thing and that's so, I, I, yeah. I
2: would agree because i also think the thing i took away from that too is that you also get the feeling just also in her facial expression that she knows eddie would never be like that
0: exactly yeah 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 oh so good
2: um, yeah. uh, is there Speaking anything of eddie, i also like the, yeah, also ahead, like the little reveals too about also kind of like the reveals of eddie's past as we go through the other characters Oh yes. Because it's a little little sprinkling. You're not told everything. You have little pieces. You get to put them together when she's talking to she's talking to Terry and she's talking to Art, you know, and like they all know a little bit, but they don't want to talk. They don't want to say anything. They want to talk out of line because they don't know how this is all going to play out, you know? Because they don't know how what's going to happen next. And so they don't want to put themselves at risk by saying by spilling the beans or saying too much.
0: Yeah. And my favorite line from the movie is when Jean's talking to somebody and tell and, and like, like uh, she's saying, "Oh, like, uh, well, Eddie never told me about this." And uh, the, that 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 character tells Jean, "Like, well, that's I forget the exact line, but it's basically like, Oh, that's that that's just how it is. That's how men are. They don't tell you everything.'" <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, um, hell of a line. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to touch on?
2: Water, uh, with I'm your um- woman. There's, there. I mean, it's, it's a, it is a nitpick. It okay. is a nitpick, a nitpick and a half. Is the final scene? Okay. How could he have not seen that coming? Because he is clearly facing the camera before the event happens. Uh yes.
0: Okay. I see. I see what you're saying. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You know I mean, yeah. Maybe, maybe I maybe I have to go back and rewatch it because as far as I'm like from, I, I haven't watched it in, since uh, my my initial. Uh, Viewing of it, I should have rewatched it before I did before I before I came on, but I clearly remember the, the the character looking looking right at Gene while he's talking, and then you get the you get the the final scene in the movie. Um, if it, and, but again, wait, nitpick, it's a it, minor nitpick. <laughs> was this was this the scene in the car? In the car, yes.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah. No, I um again we're just tipping we're just tippy toeing around this thing, but I'll say um. I think he might have looked away for a split second. I think that's what happened. That's my guess. Yeah, maybe yeah,
2: yeah. I maybe I missed it. Yeah. Maybe I missed it, but at the time I was like I was like, hold on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which also I mean like I said, I didn't like the movie at first. I love it now. Uh-huh. It's it is it's great. Yeah.
0: For those who are super frustrated about what we're talking about and want to know more, go watch the movie. But for those who, have, yeah, who watch it, for those who have, who have watched the movie, just to be clear, this is the scene in the car, very pivotal. I'm sure you know what we're talking about. But i'll say i did have that in mind i'll go wait how did that happen without you know so and so realizing that it was going to happen but i forgave it immediately when i saw the next shot and like like the reveal of what happened i'm like okay you know i'll i'll take it it's fine
2: yeah yeah and when i saw that shot too i was like i was like fuck yeah 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 (laughs) i was like because it all pays it all pays off
0: yeah exactly
2: everything you see that led up to that moment has all everything you've seen up to that point has all led to that moment exactly yeah it all made sense yeah so there you go yeah it's it, it's a movie that, that
0: like for, like if you go along with it for it's two hour runtime, I think it does reward you eventually for like saying yes you've gone on this journey and you get some catharsis and that's that's hey that's something I would like a lot more in life is that catharsis <laughs> <So>, yeah <laughs> um water before we go let's take a look back at the year that was 2020 and living through a global pandemic um how has that changed your movie watching habits in 2020 now in 2021 Walter, uh, what's wh- what's the biggest difference
2: uh, so the biggest difference is i'm usually at this point in the game At uh, this point i've usually caught up with all the major oscar contenders um i'm fortunate enough to live uh, Near a a pretty nice uh, s- uh, small run indie theater, right? That does the you know not like that does the the more Oscary kind of movies as opposed to that stuff you would see at like a showcase. And haven't gone. Uh, and I also absolutely refuse to pay twenty dollars to stream a movie once. Yep, I I am you know, I'm with you there. That's my yeah. big. And now, granted, granted, when you look at it on a on a macro lens, you know if I you know. If my wife and I went out to go see a movie, you know, it would probably run about twenty bucks for the two of us to go see a movie once. But we have left the house. There's popcorn. I get a blue slushy. You know, <laughs> it it all it all makes sense in the end that like, okay, we spent that money and we went out and had like a good time. As opposed to okay, we're, we're sitting on the couch watching something I only get it to watch once. If that case, I'll just wait for the for the Blu-ray to hit and I'll just buy it outright. Yeah, I'll roll the dice. I'll take my chances and just buy it sight unseen. Yeah. So, haven't watched as much as I normally have in, in previous years. Not as much as I would like to, mainly because I just feel that the the, the buy in for a lot of these um, a lot of streaming you know services to to be able to watch movie I feel I feel is just too high at the moment. Yeah.
0: No, I, I'm with you there. I've I mentioned before on this podcast that, uh, I mean with. Uh, wait, no, I, I've never rented something for $20 on, uh, on, on, VOD. I have not done it yet. I've only waited until no. I've only waited until I could, uh, purchase it on, on, on VOD. Like, um, Blunthead, uh, Face the Music. Um, I think I paid 25 for that, but to own. And I was like, fine, yeah, you own I'll it take now. it. Yes, rest. exactly. I'll take it. Exactly. And it's a nice, you know, digital copy. It's like Dolby vision 4k. And I'm like, yes, uh, I now own this forever. Even though it's still, like, Apple, iTunes, and who knows, like, you know, if... Yeah, you never know. If they decide to pull every movie from their library, you know, uh, uh, know, who's to stop them, and I'm not going to own that movie anymore, regardless of that.
2: That's why I'm team physical media, baby. Team physical media is
0: where it's at. (laughs) And I... I, uh, This past year has for for sure, and also the year before, because the year before, uh, in 2019, I was, like, kind of like... uh, um, Gravitating towards more, not fully, but like more digital. I was like trying to cultivate more, more digital uh, movies in my collection, like the uh, to own quote unquote. And then it like the dam really broke, you know, in March of 2020. I'm like, okay, fine. I'm going to buy a new Apple TV. It'll be 4K. I have, I have a 4K TV. And if, if I see something on sale on iTunes, I'll buy it. And I've, I've, uh, along with that, I've also just stuck to also buying. Uh, 4k disc so uh i i'm splitting i'm i'm, I'm down the middle i'm, I'm trying to do okay. both but the, the thing is again i'm with you i would rather own the thing than rent it uh and exactly. I, I i and uh this year has been weird because the um the oscar season is not going to end for another few months <laughs> uh yep. the, yeah the the oscar contenders i mean um, then uh, the ones that are gonna be in the running for best picture some of them have not been released wide yet you know uh, digitally which is insane to me like they like there's there's some big names coming out in February and um, right now I could not I I maybe could come up with like a list of 10 movies that I could I, I could say yeah these I'm pretty sure will be now running for best picture but it's gonna be a hard right now to do it would be a hard list to pull together because yeah. I don't know what's gonna happen it's it's all up in the air and so the reason why I'm doing this show is to kind of watch as much as I can because who knows what could be nominated. Um, exactly. You know. Yeah. Um, but speaking of all of that, has there been any 2020 movies that you've seen other than I'm Your Woman that you can recommend? Or like what else have you been watching?
2: Well, there's two, there's two 2020 movies that I have on my list that I can recommend, so it's a short list. Yeah. Um, but I will absolutely recommend The Sound of Metal.
0: Yes, yes, that's, this that's is another excellent.
2: This is another one that's absolutely going to be on my list. Um, I loved this movie from the from the outset, and specifically, if this movie doesn't win the Oscar for sound design, I don't know what to say. It, it is a broken system, because this should win for sound design, sound editing, because the sound, even, even on my TV, which I don't have a sound bar or anything like that, um, the sound on this movie immerses you into what's going on in Riz Ahmed's character. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, every moment, and they use it, they use it, they use it precisely, and they it, it it is done flawlessly. So I would say the Sound of Metal's one, and the other one that I see a lot of division <laughs> on Twitter right now about this. Oh, here we go. I dug it because any movie that subverts expectations and does it the way this movie does it, holy smokes. Promising young woman. Oh, I, I, I was going to guess one of either two movies,
0: and that was one of those movies. Uh, I, I have not seen Um, it yet. I'm, I might see it tonight. I'm eager to see it, and I might talk about it on, uh, on the show later. But yeah, I've heard divisive things. Luckily, I don't know what, what, what exactly is the divisiveness in that movie. So I'll, you'll see eventually. I, I will know it. I will know it. But I am um, excited because like yeah um I'm sure Carey Mulligan is going to get a nomination um it, it's it's getting talked now this week that uh, it should be nominated for Best Picture so at least that conversation is happening and that's I think that's all good sight unseen for me thing, but then? I've heard I've heard good things
2: uh, yeah I would say that it's it's it is a um I you know after after I watched it and I was like I ended up reading a bunch of articles about it to make sure that like I was like am I am I getting this. <laughs> And I was like, I was like, I, I think I am to an extent, and I think that, I, I think part of the, I think part is I, 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 have a certain dark sense of, 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 of humor when it comes to certain things, and I think people expected one thing and got something else, and we're like, what the fuck? But what I got out of it, I was like, no, this all makes sense to me. Like I, I, see this, and this is, this is one of those movies that makes sense to an extent, um, given the subject matter. Right. But I would recommend. Right. There you go.
0: Um, uh, oh, uh, was there anything else, watcher, that you saw this past year that wasn't, uh, you know, that wasn't a 2020 movie that, that you really liked and could recommend?
2: Yeah, actually I, I could actually, if you, all right. So uh, for, for those who, who may know who I am, <laughs> know that I have a very bizarre taste in movies. Um, and thankfully Amazon is not disappointed in feeding me a, a lot of goodies. Uh, Got to watch jujitsu. The only reason to watch jujitsu is just watch Nick Cage's performance in it. The rest of the movie sucks. <laughs> um, but a movie that came out in 2017 that came through my feed that I have to talk about because I enjoyed it that much is the Velocipastor. Oh my god! I. It is about a priest who turns into a dinosaur. Yeah. And it is all right. So the only movie I can compare it to that it's in the same kind of category is that. It is in the same kind of vein as the Lost Skeleton of Cadaver. Okay. And if you haven't seen that movie, you absolutely need to because that movie is a brilliant. It the, knows the kind of movie that it is and plays to its strengths perfectly every chance it gets. Uh, and it's only an hour and ten minutes long, so it's an efficient little watch. And the climax scene is one of the funniest fucking things I've ever seen <laughs> in a in a small like independent movie. It is everything that Kung Fury, people who are all about Kung Fury when it came out a couple of years ago, this movie, Kung Fury wishes it could be this movie. This movie is that good, believe it or not.
0: Okay, you've sold me because I'm no fan of Kung Fury. I don't understand the appeal of that movie. And if you say this does that better, then I'm
2: all in. Um you it is, it is it is it never takes itself seriously at all. Okay, good. But it's got heart and that's what's important. They didn't set out to make a bad movie. They set out to make a good movie that looks like a bad movie. Yeah. And that and
0: I I I would rather take, you know, a hundred of those than like one Sharknado that just, you know. Exactly. Yeah. That doesn't take itself seriously at all. That that knows what it is and it's yeah, unbearable. Um I think the sequels do that the worst. Um,
2: oh, absolutely. Uh, Terrible.
0: But yeah. But, uh, but yeah, okay. So add Velociraptor to your list, people, um, of movies to watch. Absolutely. Um, Walter, thank you. This is a great conversation. Uh, Thanks I, for having I me. I had fun. Uh, before we go, uh, plugs. Uh, where can the people listening find you online?
2: All right. So they can find me online on Twitter at Walter Vinci. Uh, they can also check out our podcast, the First Time Watchers podcast, where I do a uh, movie reviews with my friend, Tim Costa and Hermano de Silva, where we talk about movies we, have uh, not seen let I me mean, watch it together and then discuss and they could be new or older something on our list of shame awesome
0: there you go uh, folks check that out um, uh, they're they're great people Watcher's great I've been on that show uh, so 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 please check yeah. it out yeah uh, thank you this is a great talk water thank you very much and as I say at the end of every episode hey uh, see you at the movies uh, no I never say that All right, bye <laughs>